So I'm Lainey, I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from sexual abuse and fear of intimacy. My childhood and early adulthood were full of mud and mire. The Lord is the only one who was able to redeem my life from the pit, despite my successful attempts to excel at the highest levels in academics, athletics, and career. None of those worldly achievements were able to wipe away the shame of who I considered myself to be, a dirty girl who was damaged goods, despicable and unlovable. Tonight, I will tell you of the wonderful Savior who lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, Psalm 40, verse 2. I will share three of the most painful storms in my life, including two different times of testifying publicly in courtrooms about being the victim of sexual abuse. These three storms are what the Lord used in my life to change me radically and draw me closer to Him. I had secrets, big secrets, and I was the master at keeping them hidden from all, masking them with a perfect image of worldly success. As a child, I had been well-trained in the art of secrecy as a result of my parents' divorce at the age of three or four. Growing up in a tumultuous home filled with lies, deceit, and hypocrisy, I learned to survive by keeping the truth suppressed and performing to evade my mom's wrath. Both my dad and stepfather were passive and did nothing to protect me from the guilt trips and emotional abuse of my mother. Her techniques included faking suicide attempts, as well as threatening to kill my brother with a butcher knife in front of me. When I was in high school, my track coach began to pay special attention to me. Not having had the consistent security of love and attention from a father, I was drawn to the attention my coach showed me. Slowly, he began to ask me to stay late at practice. Then he bought me a pair of running shoes. Then he began to hug me. He eventually stole my virginity. He had groomed and manipulated me into trusting him and believing that he loved me and wanted to marry me. He had convinced me that no one would understand our relationship, so I had to keep it hidden. I was desperate to feel loved. However, what I didn't understand as a child was this was not love. This was sexual abuse. As a child, I was unable to consent to sexual activity to an adult in a position of authority and trust over me. Because of my coach's power of authority over me, I kept the abusive relationship a secret for many years. When I went to college, he virtually disappeared from my life, sending me crashing into loneliness, alcohol, and inappropriate relationships. When I reached my junior year of college, I began to realize that an older man dating a high school student was sick and twisted. I truly did not understand that I had been the victim of a sexual perpetrator until several years later. Over time, I began to understand how my coach had violated, betrayed, and abused me. As I gradually realized the depths of the damage of secrecy and abuse, I had nowhere to turn. I thought everything was my fault. I felt dirty, ashamed, embarrassed, betrayed, and trapped. Even more, I was angry with God for allowing this to happen to me. When I was 24, I discovered my former coach had been charged with sexual assault of another high school girl. I was outraged. I felt like someone had just stabbed me in the stomach with a knife. I knew I had to do something to stop my coach from hurting other innocent girls. Through my fear, I finally revealed my darkest secret to my mom. My coach had sexually abused me. As my mom held me while I cried, she said, I knew that was happening in high school. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. You knew? I thought to myself. If you knew, why didn't you stop him? I said I wanted to testify against him in court. My mom told me that he had hurt me enough as it was and to let it go. I obeyed my mother's instructions not to testify. Yet I was outraged when I heard my coach had walked free when the case was dismissed on a technicality. However, I would have another chance. So God walks with me in storm number one. 
About six months after the case against my coach was dropped, I learned my coach had been charged with sexual assault of yet another teenage girl. I wanted to testify to stop my coach from abusing other girls, but I knew I could not share this with my mom again, let alone anyone else. Alone and terrified, not having the strength to testify against my abuser in court without any support, I called out to the Lord, wondering if he truly existed. God, if you're out there in a way that I do not yet know you, please show me who you are and give me the strength to testify. The Lord revealed himself to me in a brand new way. God gave me the strength, wisdom, and serenity I needed to call the district attorney and testify against my coach. As a result, he was sentenced to prison for nine months with an additional 10 years of probation. Just after the court trial, I knew I needed God in my life and began to attend a church that taught me about the Bible and a personal relationship with Jesus. Until this time, I had viewed God as a holy, distant God, ready to punish those who disobeyed. I began to learn that God desired for me to know him personally and intimately, and not just ask forgiveness on Sundays. Instead of performing for God by excelling in things to cover up my sins, I could just accept his free gift of grace and forgiveness for sin. All Jesus wanted me to do was believe and trust in him. Because I had tried for years to cover up deep seeds of shame with alcohol and promiscuity, I did not know how to leave this lifestyle and follow Jesus as scripture commands. So I lived a double life for a couple of years, attending church, reading my Bible, and participating in ministry events. Yet at night, I went to bars, abused alcohol, and looked for love in secret and unhealthy relationships. Since my sexual and emotional boundaries had been violated as a child, I didn't know what healthy relationships looked like. I was susceptible to many men in positions of power and authority over me. Several years into living a double life, the second storm hit. God walks with me in storm number two. As the married CEO of the company where I worked began to make sexual advances toward me, I began an affair with him, thinking that this was love. Every relationship in my life had involved intense chaos, and lists lined right up with what I knew. Eventually, God handed me over to the depravity of my sins, allowing me to experience enough pain that it drew me to him in complete dependence. I felt compelled to honor Christ by telling the truth about my relationship with the CEO. I knew that there would be drastic consequences. I feared getting fired, so I resigned, even though I had no way to support myself. I hit my knees in prayer, crying out to the Lord in desperation. The Lord showed me that I am just as capable of great sin as the convicted sex offender coach who had abused me. I was in need of a savior, Jesus Christ. Knowing I could be cleansed of my sin of adultery by Christ's blood that he shed on the cross, I decided to recommit my life to Jesus as my redeemer in all areas of my life. I was ready to leave the pain of living a double life. About that time, I started attending the shelter ministry and began to find healing from sexual abuse in the context of Christ-centered principles. One verse I learned was 1 John 1.7, which says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The Lord used this verse to give me hope to trust him and others with my shame and to be willing to tell others the truth of who I was. By faith, I walked away from the lies and into the light to reveal my dark secrets to safe people who believed in Jesus and wanted to help me grow. Having let the light of Christ shine on my dark secret of abuse, I began to believe for the first time in my life that the abuse was not my fault. I accepted fully that the responsibility for my abuse lie 100% with my coach, not me. 
Through the power of prayer, a relationship with Christ, and other Christians who helped me sort through tough questions, I learned to take responsibility for my own sinful choices in unhealthy relationships and to accept God's grace for my sins. As God redeemed my life from the pit of despair, I began to seek purity in place of parties and promiscuity. As I worked through the lesson in shelter on confronting your perpetrator, the Lord placed this seemingly crazy idea on my heart to find my abuser and offer him forgiveness in the hope of Jesus Christ. Confronting him was not something that I wanted to rush into immediately or dangerously. Just as Jesus had instructed his disciples in Matthew 5:44 to pray for their enemies, I decided to pray almost daily for my coach. I prayed for my abuser to repent, to come to know Christ, and for God to orchestrate a meeting between us so I could forgive him. And God was faithful. One step at a time, God showed me exactly what to do next. Eventually, I spoke to a Christian counselor whose job was to provide rehab for convicted sex offenders for the state of Texas. He contacted my coach's therapist to arrange a meeting between all of us for me to confront him. Immediately, I felt a peace about moving forward with confrontation in a safe environment. The first time my coach was asked to meet with me, he denied any involvement with me to his counselor until he was asked to take a lie detector test. My coach then confessed that he had victimized me and agreed to meet. Shortly thereafter, I sat face to face with a man who had sexually abused me more than a decade beforehand. God gave me the strength to tell him that his actions were sexual abuse, which resulted in grave consequences in my life. I shared the gospel of Christ and offered him forgiveness for his sins against me, just as the Lord had forgiven me of my sins. He stated that the abuse was not my fault and he took full responsibility for his actions. He then asked my forgiveness. I immediately felt a transcending peace within myself and a huge burden lifted off of my soul. By offering forgiveness to him, the Lord washed my hands of the bitterness I had held onto for so long. Having experienced immense healing from my abuse, I began helping others find healing from the pain of sexual abuse, both in Dallas and across Central Africa. My heart was broken when I heard the women in the Democratic Republic of Congo are raped violently as a part of, well, of warfare. I knew the Lord was calling me to share the hope and power of Christ to heal their brokenness. As I taught the Congolese women the same verses God had used to heal me, these precious women dealt with their pain and shame from rape. As they allowed the light of Christ into their darkness, they experienced much joy, hope, and redemption in our Savior. My greatest pain had become my greatest ministry to bring good to others and glory to God. Although the Lord was using me to minister to others, I still had major trust issues and fear of relationships with men. When I learned to date with purity, I experienced peace instead of shame. As I began seriously dating the man who would later become my husband, I realized how scary it was to trust a man for good in my life and not for harm. Just as my boyfriend was about to propose to me, I experienced immense fear of committing my life to someone. I began to inject drama and chaos into our dating relationship because chaos was how relationships felt normal to me. But the Lord showed me that he could use a godly man to model the love of Christ for me. The Lord helped me work through my fear of having a healthy, intimate marriage based on trust. I eventually married this man who had not abandoned me in my fears, but had loved me and pointed me to Christ amidst my fears. A couple of years into marriage, my husband and I would have the opportunity to walk through a major life storm together. So God walks with me in storm number three. A couple of years later, I read a newspaper article regarding a court trial involving a sexual abuse incident at the private Christian school I had attended as a child. 
When the school administrators learned that a teenage student had been raped by her teacher, they forced the student to withdraw and allowed the teacher to resign. As a result, the girl and her parents sued the private Christian school. Upon reading the article, I felt compelled to call the prosecuting attorney for more information because it was apparent to me that the head of school, who was also a priest, was not being honest during sworn testimony. He had failed to disclose my abuse when asked if there were any former alleged abuse acts at the school, even though I had spoken to him in person about my abuse on two separate occasions. I was now faced with a decision whether or not I should step forward to testify in a heavily publicized court case. If I testified, I knew I would have to engage in conversations with my family about my abuse. I feared being further victimized by my family if they responded poorly. I sought the Lord first for clarity in my decision to testify. I sought wise counsel from my husband and other believers regarding my choice to stand for truth or remain silent. I knew that it would be hypocritical of me to encourage women all over the world to be bold to speak truth about abuse if I was unwilling to do so in my own backyard. God convicted me to walk by faith straight into the storm that would ensue the next three months as I testified in this trial. After calling the prosecuting attorney, I told my family about the sexual abuse I had endured as a child. While at first I was hopeful they would be supportive throughout the process, they failed to check on me even once to see how I was coping. Furthermore, my brother testified on behalf of the school that he felt the school was a safe environment for his four-year-old daughter who was attending school there. Despite feeling abandoned and betrayed by my family, I had a perfect peace from the Lord that he had called me to stand for justice and tell the jury the truth about my abuse in high school. Amazed at the amount of attention given to my testimony at trial, I was humbled that the Lord had chosen me to be bold and courageous to stand for truth and for Christ. Even as I stood on the witness stand in the trial, I was a witness for Christ as I spoke of the immense healing I had received through Jesus. God brought about justice when the school was found liable for gross negligence and fraud. Just after the trial ended, God revealed to me that the miracle of Christ walking on water in Matthew 14 happened in the midst of a storm. I relished the amazing times of intimacy with Jesus as I had placed my faith in him in the midst of terrible storms. Jesus tells us, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Jesus met the disciples in the storm and he meets us in our storms. I was molded more into the image of Christ during these three storms than at any other time in my life. The Lord had used the storms of sexual abuse to strengthen my faith and prepare me to trust him completely that his plan is always good. I have learned to anticipate the next storm in life with peaceful expectation of the intimacy yielded by figuratively walking on water with Christ. Having experienced God's faithfulness to give me peace throughout such tumultuous times, I learned to trust him in all of life's circumstances, both big and small. The biblical recovery principles I had learned to use in shelter were invaluable when applied to every aspect of my life. I soon had the chance to apply these principles to the storm of infertility. I trusted God for provision for my future and for peace in the midst of deep grief. I truly believed that God had a wonderful plan for me, even if it meant that I would never bear my own biological children. Periodically, I battled thoughts that God was punishing me for the abuse and my own sexual sin by making me barren. I had to rely on scripture, prayer, and others reminding me that although sin brings natural consequences, God does not punish us when we live in a relationship with him. After exhausting all fertility treatments that I felt honored the Lord, my husband and I pursued adoption. In an amazing turn of events that only the Lord could orchestrate, God brought us two adopted but biologically related siblings, both from birth. 
As a result, I trusted God all the more that his plan for my life and provision of how he formed my family was perfect. Now that our journey of infertility was over, I recognized that my heart needed work surrounding my fear of physical intimacy. Since the beginning of marriage, I had dealt with a fear of intimacy because of consuming flashbacks of my abuse. During fertility treatment, the struggle intensified as every encounter of physical intimacy was mechanical and medical in nature in an effort to conceive a child. I decided to attend Regen to focus on my sin of avoiding intimacy with my husband. As I worked through the steps at Regen, the most impactful part for me was step six, repenting. I needed to repent of my fears and turn to God for help. I completed a repentance plan on my fear of physical intimacy. By diligently answering questions as to who, what, when, why, and how I feared physical intimacy, I was able to detect certain patterns and triggers for my fears. While the flashbacks to my abuse were beyond my control, I was responsible for how I responded to them. I meditated on scripture to renew my mind, specifically dwelling on what was true, noble, pure, and right, as God informs us in Philippians 4.8, instead of dwelling on my fears. I studied God's view for intimacy in marriage as he describes it in the chapters of Song of Solomon. I learned that God's design for sex is a blessing to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife without shame. God even wants us to have romance and adventure as we pursue our spouse. Over time, as I chose to believe God designed me to enjoy physical intimacy with my husband without shame, I found true freedom from my fear of intimacy. God was continuing to use a godly man in my life for good and not for harm. What my abuser had meant for evil, God was using for good to bring me increasing freedom in Christ. So whatever came of those prayers for my enemy, the coach who abused me, oftentimes we don't know how the Lord answers our prayers. Once in a while, he shows us a glimpse of what he's up to in the hearts of others. In 2015, a decade after first praying for my enemy, I walked into church and ran into my coach. I could hardly believe my eyes. My abuser was in church with his family. The Lord had brought him a convicted sex offender to have faith in Christ as he depended on the Lord for provision in his life during circumstances of his own personal storms of anguish. I was genuinely overjoyed to know the Lord had changed the course of his life. The Lord is patient with everyone, not wanting anyone to perish. The Lord changed my heart. He changed the heart of a convicted sex offender and he can change your heart too. Will you step out in faith to let Jesus shine light on the dark areas of your heart so that he can heal you and reveal the hidden treasures in store for you as you follow Jesus? It is worth it and you are worth it. My name is Laney, living a new life in Christ with hope and healing every day.